Welcome to Conversation with the Coach on the GP Soccer Podcast. Giovanni Pacini here. You all know that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, as you know, if you're a regular, regular listener of the show, I had a uh, conversation, an interview, if you will, with Steve Russo. And Steve is the goalkeeper coach at Masconomet Regional High School. And he, his son, Marco, is the starting goalkeeper at Masco. And um, I couldn't help but reach out. And I wanted to really find out what it was like to be the goalkeeper coach on a high school program where your son is the number one goalkeeper. Um, and the conversation, I encourage all of you to listen to it if you haven't done so already. It might be the model, ladies and gentlemen, it might be the model of, of parent-child coaching. They seem to have kind of got it down. They've got a good relationship on the field. They have a good relationship at home. They have a good relationship leaving the field while in the car, while driving home. Uh, it, it seemed to be the you know the best case scenario. And it, it's not always like that. And we have a guest today that uh, we're going to tackle that uh, pros and cons of coaching your own children with a terrific guest, Rob Holiday. And Rob is the executive director of Massachusetts Youth Soccer. He oversees all aspects of the youth soccer op operations and development for Mass Youth. Uh, he has a bachelor's degree from University of Southampton and previously held the role of Director of Operations in Marketing and Communications. Initially, Rob was hired as the Assistant State Technical Director after serving as Technical Director at Wilmington Youth Soccer. He is on the Mass Youth Soccer Coach Education staff and is a head coach for the 2010 Boys ODP program. He holds a U.S. Soccer National A license, U.S. Youth Soccer National Youth license, and he's also a certified human resource professional. Rob Holiday, welcome to Conversation with the Coach on the GP Soccer Podcast. Thank you, Giovanni. I'm really excited to uh, chat with you today. I would and, add also, yes, I have a, uh, a United Soccer Coaches Goalkeeping Level 1 and 2 course that I took at Progen Park with you. Uh, I want to say that was maybe 10 years ago now. Listen, uh, I can still make saves even after all these 10 years, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm pleased you, that you brought that up. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, um, the the goalkeeping academy of which I've been a long time, uh, long time staff member is near and dear to my heart. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you uh, added that to your resume. So, you know, here, here we are, Rob. Um, I, I kind of set the table, if you will, with the terrific relationship between Steve and, and Marco over at Masco. But, you know, it, it's not always that good. Um, in your experience and your, your professional wisdom, what are some of the pros and cons that people need to be aware of relative to coaching their own children? And I'll dovetail that with uh, by asking, do we handle it differently if you're the you're uh, you're coaching a bunch of you say your kids are U sixes, U eights? In other words, grassroots versus oh, let's say in Steve's case, you've got a senior level player. Yeah, so I'll start with a little background of why I chose the topic. Um, obviously, in my role as executive director of Mass Youth Soccer, we uh, work with a number of organizations running from 3,000 player plus uh, club level programs to uh, town level and volunteer programs that may only have one team. Um, the majority of coaches working in youth soccer are parents. I would estimate it's probably around 85% of our volunteers um, our parents working with their own children in their town or club programs occasionally. So um, my background, when I first came over to the States, I was working as an assistant for a high school head coach who, uh, and I was living in their house. They were a great host family. Um, he actually spoke at my wedding. 
but uh, his daughter was on the high school team that he was the head coach for and I was an assistant coach for. Um, I've also been a head coach of a club team and one of the assistants or two of the assistants uh, were fathers. Both of those were the high school coaches for their own daughters as well. Um, and I'm also, as you mentioned, currently uh, coaching my own children as both a head and assistant uh, for a U10 boys team and a U7 girls team where we live in Brooklyn, Connecticut. So um, there's a whole host of pros and cons. And I think that the important piece is to start with the pros, which is you get to spend a ton of quality time with your children. Um, soccer is one of the, uh, the the things that we all love that our kids do because it gives them physical activity. It helps them uh, with socialization. It helps them to kind of, it's a microcosm of life with all the challenges that they can overcome and um, developing work ethic and confidence and uh, how to manage conflict appropriately. So all of these beautiful challenges that they're going to go through, soccer provides for that. And as a coach, you get to be um, a facilitator, somebody who they can lean on as they go through those experiences. Um, so from a relationship piece with your son or daughter, it's it's a wonderful opportunity to really take part in something that hopefully brings them a lot of joy builds their confidence um, and helps to develop the life skills that we all want our children to develop um, through involvement with youth sports. Uh, now, the con side is, I would say the biggest is that the conflict challenge. Um, there's going to be, particularly with older children, um, as they're kind of finding out a bit more about themselves and becoming more emboldened with their personalities, they're not always going to think you're right as a parent. Uh, and they're certainly not going to always think you're right as a as a coach. And sometimes those lines become blurred. And what you say as a coach is sometimes inferred to as being as a parent. And sometimes what you're saying as a parent in a conversation um, may also kind of be a blurred line as to the, the child hears it as this is my coach speaking. So there's certainly uh, a great deal of opportunity for conflict or misunderstanding. And I would say that's... Uh, certainly exacerbated as the children get older. You know, you used a key word there, Rob, and that's communication. Share with my audience your your insights on the importance of communication, obviously with your child, that that's a no-brainer, but the conversation that you maybe should have, correct me if I'm wrong, with the team, and I'll even take it to another level, a conversation you might have with the, with the other parents, because as you very well know, perception from other folks can be, can be wicked at times. So, your thoughts on the importance of, of, of communication with, with those three entities, child, team, and other parents? Yeah, so I've, we'll start with the child. The child, um, you have to have empathy for your own child and recognize that it's going to be very difficult for them to separate their worldview or their relationship they have as with you as a parent to what goes on on the field. Um, so it is an important conversation to have with your child. And Fortunately, um, we're the majority of our member organizations and, and families, they have wonderful programs and lots of support. And um, for example, we have the Soccer Parenting Association with their whole gambit of resources that are available. Um, but the conversation really you should have with your child is, let's be on the same page here. I'm trying to help you and I'm trying to help the team. And when we're at the field, it's important to recognize that you are a team member. That doesn't stop you being my son or daughter. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm not going to support you and I want the very best for you, but it does mean that I have to be fair in the way that I treat you and the other children on the team. Um, but also have some recognition that the younger they are, the more difficult it's going to be for them to understand. 
Um, if you act a certain way at home and that's not replicated on the field, it's going to be even more difficult for that child to understand. So some of that you'll find out through trial and error. Um, I mean, my six-year-old daughter is a great example. She, um, at times, she she's uh, uh, all over the ball and she just wants to be tackling people. And um, there's other times where if, if something goes a little bit wrong, she'll be shy and reserved and she wants to come over and have a hug. Um, and it's important at that that moment, I support her as a father, uh, in addition to being a, her coach, because that's what she needs at that time. So um, with your children, certainly helping them to recognize you are part of a team and this is a team sport and we're going to try and be fair. But also you have to have the understanding or the agreement with yourself that I, I am going to still support my child as a parent even though I'm operating in the role of as a coach right now, but I'm not going to do it to the detriment of the other players. And that's similar to the conversation that you'll have uh, with the parents of other players on the team as well. Uh, something that I will typically do at the start of every season is bring uh, the team parents in together and say, hey, why do you have your kid play soccer? Um, what are you looking to get out of it? And then with the kids, we develop co-created or collaborative goals and expected behaviors. Um, and your child, it's important for your child to participate in these expected behaviors. And they're going to be different at different age groups. Um, at U6, U8, it might just be listening when other people are talking. Um, at U high school age groups or at highly competitive clubs, it might be this is the way that we communicate when we need to ask more from our teammates. We're not going to get down on each other, but we are going to say, hey, I need more from you there, or you should have recognized I was open. Um, and making people comfortable with having those difficult types of conversations uh, is important, and it has to be agreed to and co-collaborative, preferably before the season starts. Um, because if you don't set the expectation and then something goes wrong or somebody doesn't agree with one of your actions or behavior that occurs during the season, you're going to have a much more difficult time if you don't have something that you can go back to, whether it's a signed agreement, it's a conversation, it was a meeting you had um, that states, these are our behaviors, these are our actions, this is the culture. And hey, me as the coach, yes, my child is on the team, but my child is held to the same standard as everyone else. I'm going to do my very best to not play favorites. I'm going to do my very best to not hold her or him accountable to a higher standard than the other players on the team. Um, but recognize that I'm human too. And if I make those mistakes, I'll apologize as well. You know, uh, the term expected behavior, I really want to really emphasize that. Um, I have, I don't have any children for full, you know, full admission. I don't have kids. So, um, I don't, I haven't experienced, you know, some of the things we're talking about here. However, as a coach, as a coach, as a coach, educator, coach developer, you know, it's our coaches. I've delivered countless you know, uh, you know, grassroots courses. Um, and I know when I've got a group of U6s and U8s in particular, you know, you've got, you're delivering a course and you get a chance to have the kids that are involved in the course, which is always terrific. The very, very first thing I do is, you know, kind of break the ice a little bit in, in terms of, well, who is this guy and why is he here? And we, you know, there are ways to kind of, you know, break the ice, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But once that ice is broken, I will, I will let them know what the expected behavior is. Um, and through body language and, and changes in tone of your voice, uh, your 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 absolute your your presence, all those things are, are terrific tools to you know you know manage manage behavior. Uh, I get parents many times they go, "How did you just do that? You didn't say anything. You just turned and looked at." I'm like, "Well, you know, uh, it's practice. 
I wasn't born this way. I learned I had a lot of great mentors as an educator, you know, going through my own professional career as, as a teacher. Um, but those those tools are super, super important in terms of managing behavior and having expectations relative to behavior. So I just wanted to emphasize that point because it's so you're so spot on with, with that. Um, so, you know, you do all the right things, Rob, as you just you know laid out so wonderfully. You have you meet with the parents, you meet with the kids and the team and you lay things out and you check all of the right boxes. But uh Kids are kids, and uh, in this day and age, uh, shall we say it, parents can be parents. How 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 best to deal with that problem kid or challenging kid? Not problem, challenging kid who just doesn't quite seem to get the fact. Well, you know, you know, Coach Holiday is is favoring his son or his daughter, or the, you got the parent that might think along those same li- same lines. In those instances where there is still some pushback, and it's it's inevitable, I think. What are some of the tools that you would share with my audience uh, on how best to deal with that? So one of the the greatest things about soccer is the freedom that players gain from stepping on the field, right? You you have a bad day at school or at home or work or whatever it may be, and you step out on the field and you can take that deep breath and uh, breathe out and it's gone. You In that moment, you are on the soccer field and whether your role is as a player or as a coach, um, you have that opportunity for freedom. I think uh, with regard to to other players, um, potentially that, as you mentioned earlier, the perception is the reality, um, and how somebody feels. Um, it may be their opinion, um, but to them, it's their truth that they live. So, first, you have to take a step back um, as a coach and recognize. There's a reason that this person feels this way. Um, and can I, before I try and fix it, can I first try and understand it? Um, so what are the potential reasons? And, and as you mentioned, communication is so important. And children are intelligent and children want the opportunity to speak freely. And if you give them the opportunity, more often than not, they'll tell you how they're thinking. Um, and we can through appropriate, whether it's guided questioning or motivational and interviewing, we can um, try and figure out what the root cause of the issue is. Is it because they feel your son or daughter's playing in a position that they want to play in or uh, because of certain mannerisms or interactions you have with them as opposed to other players on the field? Um, are there coaches who favor their own child? Absolutely. Um I can certainly remember growing up and it used to be the coach's kid who took all the penalties and corner kicks and free kicks. And um, I'm sure we've all played in those types of teams. Um, But firstly, recognizing what the child's perspective is um, and why they feel uh, in the manner that they do would be the first step to figuring out what can I do with my patterns of behavior or the way I'm interacting, whether it's this individual or the team um, so that this can be addressed or is, does it simply require an explanation of the behavior? Why do I speak to my own child in this manner about this part of the game? Um, Because I know that they understand it or um, as the players get older and their personalities uh, certainly Um, come out a little bit more and you have players that you need to support in certain moments and you have players that you need to fire up at other times um, and not 
the parents don't necessarily understand those dynamics all of the times, but the other players certainly don't as well. So um, being open and honest with your communication with the whole team about the way you interact with ind individuals and why can really help you to avoid those um, challenging perspectives that others may have. One of the questions I asked Steve Russo from Mask and Omit was, did he have an on-off switch? In other words, you know, when they got out of the car and they were, you know, going to the field, when you cross the white line or wherever, you know, I kind of use that as a, as a, you know, a point where he flips the switch. Do you think parent coaches need to have an on-off switch? Uh, do they need to practice having an on-off switch? Uh, and not just, you know, entering the field you know, on, on a training day or on match day, but also leaving the field because you've got to switch, the, you know, switch it off, so to speak, to go from coach to, to mom or dad. What are your thoughts on the proverbial on-off switch, both coming to the field and then departing the field? I think that it's important for parent coaches to not hold themselves accountable to impossible standards. Um, as a parent, there isn't a, a moment or a decision uh, with um, relation to your own child that isn't tinged with emotion. You can try and be as objective as you possibly can. Um, but the fact is you have so much love for these little human beings that there's going to be natural times where your um, decision-making process or um, the way you interact or go about certain things uh, is impacted by emotion. Um, so if you hold yourself to the accountable to too high a standard, you, you're only going to fail. But recognizing that I, I am human, I'm a parent, um, at this time, I, it's important for me to be a coach as well, but I'm not going to turn off my parent switch. You never turn off your parent switch. Um, but before the practice, I'm my child's parent when I'm in the car with them. And as soon as we leave the field, when they run off to the playground, I become a parent as well. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say there's an on-off switch for parenting. Certainly, uh, it's important to differentiate the soccer field and the practice when you're a coach um, and the conversations that you would have as a coach around the field um, at those times. But as, as players get older, it's important to allow them the opportunity to speak with you. Um, I think one of the, the cons that... Uh, would be highlighted if people looked back on their their coaching career as parents as well as too often they would unload on their child, whether it be in the car or at the dinner table. And they point out flaws in the child's game, the team's game, other individuals on the team say, hey, that person didn't have as good a game as they could have. Um, and it starts at a very young age. And so the child develops biases um, based on the parent's perception of the play, uh, which can be really challenging. Um, and can make the interactions between the players on the team even more challenging as well. But as the players get older um, and they start to learn more about the game, the tactical side of the game and the, the recognition of um, what's important and different players' level of skill and um, what areas of the game they're strong in, then allow the child to have open and untransparent communication with you, um, but also steer them from becoming negative because that's a, uh, another challenge that you have with uh, coaches and the, the sons and daughters of coaches is often they will become a mini coach because of the conversations that they have in the car or uh, on the, at the start of practice or after practice around the team. Um, and it's important that we, we ensure that those conversations we have around with 
about other players are positive um, so that there isn't any uh, conception or misperception from um, players on the team that you're speaking negatively about them to your child. You know, Rob, in, in doing some additional research for our conversation, um, I, I pulled this uh, survey from Dr. Wendy LeBolt. She's a physiologist and soccer coach, and she's the founder of Fit to Finish. Um, and one of the things that that she uh, she found out through her own uh, conduct, conducting of a survey um, from parents was, quote, a kid never forgets the time you yelled at him in front of 100 people even though it was supposed to be fun. And then you, the parent apologizes profusely afterwards. Now I'm hoping that this didn't take place to, you know, with a U six or U eight game. I'm talking maybe hopefully a senior level player, but this, how do you manage, you know, you you've, let's say you're, you're a senior level player. Let's, let's use, you know, Steve Russo at Masconomy. He's got a high school uh, senior. Uh, he's a young man. And uh, you know, in terms of his own human development, he's certainly sophisticated enough to deal with, you know, to deal with it, but some kids can't deal with that. Um, you know, what, what do you do when you're, you're, you've got the coach hat on, you, you checked all the right boxes and you've, you've called out your son or daughter, let's say it's an appropriate age where that might take place. Um, and you don't think that there might be implications that carry over to, well, when you flip the switch off or you go back into parent mode, what are your thoughts on that particular part of the survey that, 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 uh, uh Dr. LeBolt pulled out? I think it's absolutely true. Uh, yeah. I was reading a, a book uh, last last evening called The Four Agreements, and one of them is uh, to be impeccable with your word. That being that your words have such power um, that if you tell somebody, "Hey, you're not a great striker of the ball. You don't score many goals. That's the reason you're a right back." Then potentially that's going to impact their decision making, their confidence. They're going to think that way moving forward. Um, and it, whether you're calling out your child for their effort during the middle of a game um, because you don't feel that they're putting in the required effort or perceived effort that you think they should be, or you're saying that they weren't brave enough um, and you do it in a public setting, it, it's definitely going to impact that child psychologically, um, whether they be six years old, 10 years old and on a town travel team or um, 17 year old and playing in a uh, an elite club team we have to be very careful with the words that we use the choice of words the tone of our voice um, both as a, a coach and parent and um, because ultimately that they're playing the game hope predominantly for joy but also to build confidence to develop skill um, and if we are negative to the extent where we don't create a safe environment for them um, then they're not going to feel safe and secure enough that they can take the risks that they need to in order to develop, not only as a soccer player, but as a human being as well. Now, that's not to say you can't challenge them. Um, and that's not to say that some, some players are motivated um, by being challenged, but you've got to figure out in that individual relationship you have, whether it's with your own child or any player on the team, what it is that's going to motivate them appropriately um, and what they are able to um, psychologically take on board at that moment in time. Let me ask you um, the importance or not uh, of having an assistant coach who doesn't have kids in the team is, is does that make for a, a, a more balanced approach, if you will? Um, does it provide an opportunity to have somebody who, who might just catch you when you, you know, you forget that, you know, you're, 
you know, you're, you might be saying something to your kid. What are your thoughts on that part? Having an assistant coach who doesn't have any kids on the team. Firstly, an assistant coach of any kind is a must. <laughs> I would say that if you, if you go into this alone, there's so much that can happen when we're working with children uh, of any age. Um, but it's also, it's impossible as a coach to be able to see everything, right? You're either too focused on, what's going on around the ball that you're not seeing what's going on away from the ball, or you're speaking to players on the bench and you're missing pieces on the field. So that division of responsibilities is important. Uh, Whether that person is a parent of a child on the team or not, it gives you an ally, um, somebody who can assist you with those somewhat challenging um, discussions you may have with your own child. So whether that person, the assistant coach has a, a child or not, they're not the parent of your child. So there's going to be times where you can work together and collaborate and say, hey, can you speak to um, Julia about her defense and the way she's approaching um, the players in the press? Um, Because it may not come across the right way from me. So certainly having uh, an assistant coach will be a huge plus in those challenging circumstances. Whether they have no children or not, I think it helps them to be objective uh, I think uh, we all as parents just want our children to be successful, right? We want them to be happy, healthy, and kind and to thrive in the things that they want to thrive in um, and do well. And I think that there is certainly an element of bias that bringing a parent into a coaching situation brings that ultimately we want successful outcomes for our children. Um, and as you get you're involved with the game longer as a coach, you start to recognize the game and the outcomes are much bigger than just the ultimate success or the winning and losing or number of goals you've scored. Um, And sometimes that objectivity, it needs an external person. So I think certainly an apt question. I don't think they need to be someone who's not a parent, Um, but an assistant coach or assistant coaches are certainly a must to a uh, a really successful and thriving team environment. That's terrific advice. Uh, and, and in your terrific answer there, I scribbled down three words, happy, healthy, and kind. Um, I, I think I think the cornerstone of, of everything we've talked about, heck, the cornerstone of what we do as as uh, you know teachers of the game of any game, I think should be predicated on making sure the kids are happy, healthy, and kind. Those are tremendous words, Rob. Uh, I scribbled them down. I think I might steal them. They're so good. Uh, but indeed, that's that's the cornerstone of what we're trying to do. Well said. Our, our guest today on the GP Soccer Podcast, Conversation with the Coach, has been the terrific Rob Holiday, the Executive Director of the of Massachusetts Youth Soccer Association. Rob, if people wanted to find out more about Mass Youth Soccer, I uh, wanted to reach out to you. How might folks do that? Absolutely. Please go to our website, mayouthsoccer.org. We will be launching a new website. We have our 50th anniversary coming up uh, in 2024. So a new website coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, But you can also find us on uh, all of the social channels at mayouthsoccer also. Listen uh, to all of my listening audience. I don't care whether you're here in Massachusetts or somewhere around the world. Uh, Mass Youth Soccer does an absolutely tremendous job of providing outstanding content at every level on, on every single topic that you might find relative to the great game of soccer. So make sure you check out uh, the Mass Youth Soccer uh, website. There's just some some terrific stuff out there. Rob, once again, many thanks for coming on the GP Soccer Podcast, Conversation with the Coach. Uh, I look forward to having you back some, at some point. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you very much, Giovanni. You got it. This is GP Soccer Podcast, Conversation with the Coach. 
We're going to break for a commercial message. You know how that all works. And then we'll reconvene on the other side with Coach's Corner. Don't you dare go anywhere. 